Welcome to Church 213. We're so glad you're listening to the sermon series titled Tis the Season, where Pastor Ryan will be encouraging us on how to be healthy, strong, and unified as we head into the last lap of 2021. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope it's been blessed for you. We had a uh, good time yesterday doing absolutely nothing but thinking about Jesus and his goodness and his hand of favor over our lives. And um, <clears throat> we were looking forward to being here again this morning with the fellowship. That's what we are, amen? We're the fellowship. We don't fellowship. We are the fellowship. And we have a chance this morning to do just that. Um, magnificent job, praise team, for set, setting the table full. So my prayer now is that we would pull our tables up to the seat, pull our seats up to the table. We can bring your, bring your table to the seat too, uh, and then we'll feast on the Word of God for the people of God for a time such as this. Amen? So we're going to conclude our series, Tis the Season, uh, and I've enjoyed preaching it. I've, I've enjoyed kind of making that last lap of 2021 as we roll in 2022. Uh, and, and I've learned a lot. Anytime I dig around, I enjoy learning new things. I, learn, I enjoy being challenged. Uh, and so if you would like this series digitally, all 10 weeks, you can see Pastor Don for that. We have that resource available to you for the cost of free. You can't beat that. There are some concepts, <clears throat> there are some com- there, there are some concepts in life that are just simply um, hard to understand. You know, things we just can't get. That's why our cars have manuals. That's why um, some of you guys, it took you a week to put together that Barbie dream house. We put together one of those one year. Parker and I took, uh, we took all week. Every night we worked on that thing. We worked on it in stages because there was five pounds of bolts that came out of this, this thing. And we just couldn't get our, I couldn't get our, uh, our mind wrapped around it. The reality, is, the reality is this. We all have different abilities. And so what's complicated to someone on this side might not necessarily be complicated to, to somebody on this side. But either way you look at it, there is no expert in everything. Amen? You know anybody like that, though, that, that thinks they're an expert in everything? There are people like that, and they're wrong. Uh, a friend of mine who's, who's a medical doctor told me this recently. He said, everybody is ignorant somewhere. Like, wow, you know, that's really true. Question is, have you ever felt like that? Like, everybody's getting it but you. But you're on the outside looking in. That is a tough place to be. That's a discouraging place to be. I've been there. That you feel like that everybody is looking at you. <laughs> and you're just not getting it. Everybody's making the grade but you. Everybody's getting the promotion but you. Everybody's getting this concept but you. And you just feel like you just don't measure up because you can't get it. If you take a left out of the drive. And you go to Highway 11 in Mansfield. And you jump on 11. And you take 11 all the way to Monroe. And when you get to Monroe, if you take a right on 78. And you follow 78 all the way to Athens. It'll take you to Atlanta Highway. If you go into Atlanta Highway and you take a right, that'll take you all the way downtown west, and that'll turn into Broad Street. And so if you, if you go all the way to Broad Street, then you're going to take a right on Thomas Street. If you follow Thomas Street, it will turn into East Campus Road. Faith's a fellow bulldog. She knows exactly what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> she knows. And if you go down East Campus Road, a mile later on East Campus Road, there's a small road to your right called Cedar Street. And at the corner of Cedar and Sanford Drive is building 1003. Building 1003 is the Department of Physics and Astronomy. It's right across the street from the Geography Building. She knows where that's at, too. 
And right there on that corner 17 years ago in building 1003, what I thought I could understand, what I thought I could understand, what I thought I could comprehend through enough effort was shot to pieces. It was on that corner of Cedar and Sanford that God met me in the darkest place of self-sufficiency and defeat. Still to this day, if I stand on that corner, I get chills. <laughs> Here's the thing. I didn't want to admit it, but physics had won. Physics had, had won and my career path was done. It was on that complicated corner that I threw my hands up and I said, God, I have no idea what I'm going to do next. I have nowhere to turn because Ryan White is spent on this dead end road. Physics didn't defeat me. It realigned me. God didn't need me to, under, to, to understand and comprehend his laws of nature to understand his character. That's what I had to learn the hard way. In that same week, God began to work through some uh, unexplainable twists and turns, and it reset my purpose. Now catch this, for the sake of the gospel. It reset me to the, for, for, the, for the sake of the gospel. And I believe that when life gets complicated, it's important that we revisit what is the most simple because it's in the simple that God shows himself to be the most faithful. We don't have to complicate this thing, y'all. And it's for this reason this morning, I want us to look at the simple beginnings. Some simple beginnings as it relates to the gospel because I want, I want you to know this, the gospel is the corner we can all stand on. And so if you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. We've been all around the Christmas story, the characters of Christmas through this tis the season that really started on October the 24th. So we're kind of winding that down, taking us back to the corner, not of 1003. Please don't take me to 1003. But the corner of the gospel. Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 8. If you need to look through the concordance, that is that, that the table of contents, that's fine. New Testament, right in the middle. Matthew, Mark, then Luke. Luke chapter 2. Big number 2, tiny little 8. That's where we're going to be this morning. And the word of God for the people of God says this. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks at night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look. I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message. They were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart, meditating on them. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. You guys can have a seat. I believe what we have right here, church, faith, family, fellowship, is the greatest moment in the history of histories up to this point. What we see in right here is the incarnation. What we see right here is the fullest 
expression of God. 1 Corinthians 2.8, Paul calls it this. Paul calls Jesus the Lord of glory. Man, I love that wording. The Lord of glory. Glory is when God goes public. It's, 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 when, it's when God is revealed. It's when He reveals Himself. This is glory. It's, 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 it's God revealed. And we say things like, um, you know, we use this in our common vernacular when we say, looking at a sunset, that is a glorious sunset. When we see God do something, we might say, to God be the glory. I love saying that. It just, it just means so much to me personally. To God be the glory. Glory, see, is the acknowledgement that he is worthy to receive praise. So when you see that sunset, to God be the glory. The, um, the Flisses went to see the art of the last couple of days. To God be the glory. What a, what a glorious thing God has done through that ministry, for that boat, for the art, to see it. To God be the glory. It is, it is, it is an, an acknowledgement that he is worthy to be praised but here in this text i want you to see that it is it is some praise supremacy this this is this is it it is the highest demonstration of god's glory to date given life literally jesus is born did y'all hear what i just said Jesus is born. God with us. Emmanuel is here. And the news first lands at the feet of some simple shepherds. And they carry it. That's the thing. They receive it and they carry it. I don't, I don't want us to overlook that simple significance. Because tis the season to carry the gospel. And the shepherds Remind us how simple that can be. This is not corner of Sanford and Cedar. This is not 1003. This is the simple gospel that we, we don't have to overcomplicate it. We see some things out of, this, out of this text. We see that the gospel can be carried to all who need it. The gospel can, can, can be carried, to, carried to, to all who need it. That's what we see in verse 8 and 9. That's the first thing uh, on your sermon guide. It's there. All who need it. I mean, look at verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the field and keeping watch at night over their flock. What does that mean? It means they were out in the field keeping watch over their flock. <laughs> then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. As we would be too. The gospel is to be simple. The gospel is simply defined as good news. It's just old-fashioned good news. And we love some good news. They say good news travels slower than bad news because bad news travels fast. But I think in 2022, let's allow some good news to travel. It's simple. Let it travel. There's no need to complicate the truth that God desires to willingly reclaim that which was lost under Adam. That's what God is doing. When he's setting up his kingdom, he is resetting right what Adam got wrong. And in Revelation, what we see is there's a complete reset. It's hard for our mind to comprehend that level of reset, but we understand what a reset looks like. The reality is this, that what we see throughout the Bible is that unlike false gods of other pagan religions around Israel at the time, um, Baal and, 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 and Molech and, and all those, they were indifferent. They were cruel. They were, they were hostile. And they, and they had to be appeased by the unspeakable atrocity of child sacrifice. But Israel's God, our God, the one true God, who has named himself the, the, the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob. That, that God, eternal and living, is by nature compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. Psalm 103 says, uh, 
um, abounding in loving kindness. You want to know the theme of this? It's God's faithfulness during uncertain times. It is a book of rescue. It is a rescue manual right here. That's what it is. It's, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. A couple of summers ago, um, we were down on Lake Sinclair in a pontoon boat that is infamous for just breaking down. What's better than having a boat is, is a friend with a boat. So that's where we were. And so we're out, and all of a sudden, it goes dead out of gas. And so I began to try to complicate the issue of how we're going to find rescue. I began to look around. Is there some type of electrical device I can use? Is there some type of fancy GPS flare gun I can use? You know, do I need to call somebody? Do I have service? I was going through all of these awful scenarios that typically lead to sermon illustration. And so I was like, what are we going to do? And I look around, and the girls have the orange life jackets, and they're just waving them. How simple. You know what? Somebody saw them. And somebody came over and said, do you guys need help? And I was a little embarrassed. You know, I had to turn in my man card for a minute. I was a little embarrassed, but I thought, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find rescue with all these, all these fancy, all these, you know, fancy ways of doing it when simply all I need to do is just turn to what we know works. Help! The theme of salvation, being the heart of God, isn't complicated. And it came to the shepherds first. The, the, the gospel first came, catch this, to the most unlikely group that were at the bottom of the social ladder. They were not getting the, uh, the yearly Nobel Peace Prize. Nobody was inviting them to... To fundraiser dinners, I can tell you that. They were uneducated. They were unclean. They were underestimated. They were underskilled. And they were overlooked. But in God's economy, to God be the glory. They were the perfect bunch to get the good news about God's lamb. First, because the humble shepherd, shepherds are the perfect picture of the heart of God. God's choice of a shepherd to receive the announcement of his, of his son's birth is keeping with Old Testament prophecy. Guess what? God has a plan. God knows how to work a plan. We see that. Isaiah 61.1 tells us this. The Spirit of the Lord God is on me. This is talking about the Messiah. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners 700 years before. That's what we see. Isaiah 61. Jesus comes on the scene. After reading that same passage, Jesus speaks in Luke 4. So if you have your Bible, let's go to Luke 4. Luke chapter 4, one flip of the page most likely for you. Luke chapter 4. Starting in verse 17. Now we just read out of Isaiah 61. What we're trying to make the point is the gospel can be carried to all who need it. Luke 4.17 says this, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. So he takes the scroll. So it wasn't like what we have today. You know, they, they were individual scrolls of individual text. So Jesus selects a piece of Old Testament scripture, which is all they had. It was the Bible, the Old Testament text. He takes this scroll. He opens it up. God is in the details. God knows how to work a plan. Jesus opens the scroll takes Isaiah 61 and he reads it where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to release, to proclaim release to the captives, the recovery of the sight of the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's reading from Isaiah. Y'all with me? Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. This is, a, this is a mic drop moment. He unrolls it. He reads it. He rolls it back up. He's like, okay, my work here is done. 
And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. In verse 21, he began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. Boom, there it is. They have been looking for who is going to be this Isaiah 61 guy. And Jesus reads it and he goes, everything that you've been reading, it's me. I'm done. I'm here. Let's get on with it. Don't get God and get going. Get God and get moving. Right? Here's the point I'm trying to say. The heart of God for salvation for all men, it didn't come into the world as an example of nobility uh, or, or power or some sage teacher. You know, some, some first century Gandhi. That's not what we're dealing with here. Some nonviolent social reformer. John 8, 12 said, He was and He is the Lord of glory. The light of the world to which darkness must flee. And if the gospel was complicated, it couldn't be universally comprehended. It's simple. And in its simplicity is this accessibility. And that's the beautiful thing about the good news. And shepherds got the message first. They got it first, even though they didn't check all the societal boxes. They, they consistently found themselves on the corner, staring at not building 1003, but the temple from a distance, not measuring up. But they received it, to show us that the gospel always finds a way into a humble heart. The gospel finds its way. The, 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 checked, the, the box that they checked, the only one that needed to be checked, they checked it and it was this, humility before God. That was the box that qualified them to receive the message. It was just simple humility. And if you're waiting to understand the nature of God before you accept the free gift of God, According to the authority of Scripture, you will die in your sin and you will face the full weight of His active judgment. And that is a very dangerous place to be. See, it's not what a person brings in worldly expertise. Thank the Lord that affords a relationship with God. It is a need for Jesus that brings the gospel to people. It's not what people have to do. It's what God has done for people. It's simple. Y'all write this down. All a person needs to get to the gospel is need. That's it. All a person needs to get to the gospel is is a need. And getting well is messy business. So the question is, do you need it? Do you know someone that needs it? Who is your one? Who is that person you've been praying for that God would soften their hearts to the need? Because the only box that we need to check is a check of need, of of humility. God, I need you. God, I need you. Because the mercy of God is only found through Jesus. There is hope for every season. Jesus is the reason. We just came off of that. And if you've admitted that yourself, that that there's a need, but you have yet to fully surrender to that, what in the world are you waiting on this morning? What is that next step for you? Is it a step of baptism? Have you believed on the name, but you've never followed that step? Is it a a step of forgiveness? Is it a step of reconciliation? Is it a step of, of, of the privilege of discipleship? Do you need the gospel? All you have to have to get to the gospel is need. I know this. The moment I stood at 10.03 and I threw my hands off the reins of my own life, my soul was satisfied. I had no idea what was going to happen. I was scared to death, but yet I had the peace that passed understanding. Because I had, I had, I had in that moment, just handed over my self-dependency and sufficiency and said, here's my heart, Lord. Take it and use it. And here I am. There's a Greek word for that, shazam. (laughs) So 
But I want you to allow Christ to begin being your heart surgeon by, by laying it open on the table. The Lord of glory is the only one that can operate from that position. We have to be ready and humble to let him work. And that's a prayer that I pray. Every Sunday morning I say, God, I pray that you would prick the heart of somebody in here to the message of the gospel. And for that one person maybe that you're praying for, who's your one? Pray that. There is nothing that I can do. It is the work of God exclusively. Romans 1.16 It is only the work of God that leads to the power of salvation. But there has to be a humble heart. There has to be a need. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes, sometimes God will apl- to apply the pressure of your life so that you will scatter and have a need. He will expose you. You'll scatter. So a prayer to pray for those that you've been praying for. Yes, the simple gospel is soften their heart and make me available. So yeah, the gospel can be carried to anybody because there's no one that does not have need. The shepherds show us that. Shepherds also show us this. The gospel can be carried by anyone who wants to carry it. There's some things that I can't carry. I mean, I will. I will carry a purse if I have to. But I prefer not to carry it. But because I, I, I love my girls, I will carry their girly stuff. But there's some things you don't want to carry. Let's be honest. There's some things that work. Hey, it's not me. I'm not carrying that. That's on you, right? You carry it. But the gospel can be carried by anybody that wants to carry it. Look at verse 10. I don't always carry a purse, but when I do, it's for my girls. That's just what I'm trying to say. Verse 10. It says, but, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Verse 11. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. See, the shepherds heard the message loud and clear, but not only did they hear it, but they carried it. They carried it. They carried it because they believed it. And the shepherds aren't easily fooled. If you think about a shepherd, you've got to be practical to be a shepherd. You have to be very aware of your surroundings. Y'all, y'all with me? Say I am. We, we, these are practical men of the world. They have little to do with fantasy. These aren't philosophers. These are shepherds here. These are farmers. You want to meet somebody down to earth? You talk to a, a person that's farmed for any amount of time. The fastest way to, to lose a million dollars is to open a family farm. I've heard a farmer out west say that. They're not easily fooled. Abraham was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. And, and like that old guy at the hardware store that's been there, you know, him and Jesus went to elementary school together. You can't get anything over on him. Because they're wise, they're, they're shrewd. And for these rowdy herdsmen to claim that they were given an, an angelic message, it was alarming because shepherds were not one to just make stuff up. If the shepherd said it, you can take it to the bank. Let's look at verse 11. So this is what they're saying. They received this message today in the city of David. A Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. So literally the angel said to this, I announce to you good news, a great joy which shall be for all people. It was this heavenly handoff. And they they took it. And the, the, the New American, I mean, the New English translation says they were absolutely terrified. Can you imagine what they must experience to be absolutely terrified? When you, were, when you were scared almost to death, you know, we use that phrase at my house starving, starving to death, scared to death, it changes you. You get nauseous, your stomach gets in knots, you sweat. You know, your mind race. All these things were going on. 
all the practical things that, that these gentlemen would have experienced as shepherds, as wives, herdmen. I mean, everything was out the window. They could not believe what they were seeing. And I don't want us to miss it. Because heaven had just handed them some heavy news. Here it is. Because they could handle it in a lot of ways. They were prepared to carry it. And if you've ever been given some heavy news, sometimes it's hard to handle. Isn't it? It's hard to handle, especially if you're not expecting it. And if you've been given some heavy news that you're not expecting, it can be terrifying. Because you're thinking, what in the world am I going to do with this? How, how am I to respond with this, this heavy news? You know, you, you, might, you might understand you're not equipped to handle it. Don't, t- no, don't tell me that. Because if you tell me, I have to do something with it, right? So, you know, don't, don't give it to me because I'm not equipped to handle it with the care that it needs. And you're tempted to clam up. Ignore it like you've never been told. Because if you acknowledge it, you have to do something with it. They didn't clam up. They carried it, even though it had weight to it. Years ago, um, I got a call from a, at a, fear, a, a dear friend of mine had been killed in a car wreck outside of Covington, ran off 20, hit a tree, and lost his life. He was 56. And the sheriff had gotten the number to the church off of the bulletin that was scattered in the truck that had flown out of his Bible. <clears throat> all the debris and and I was asked to go to this man's house and tell his wife that his her husband would never come home I was terrified the weight the weight of it I wish I would have never answered the phone because I had to carry it but I had to carry it no matter the weight and, and it terrified me Just imagine some Jewish shepherds keeping watch over the the fold that they had brought in together because it's easier to watch sheep when they're they're bound together. So they brought them from the field outside of Bethlehem. They had brought them in together. Imagine that suddenly an angel with a message about a child of royalty who would finally set their people free. They were Jewish. They knew. They weren't in the temple a lot, but they knew it. It was part of their culture. They were absolutely terrified. What are we going to do with this? The angel didn't give the earthly name, if you notice. They didn't name Jesus until eight days later. What we see that the angel gave the shepherds was a title. This is who's been given. The title is the key to the message that they carry. See, a title carries details. I don't, want you, I don't want you to miss that. The message that they carried was summed up in titles. And the title in verse 11 are really three things. The angel says, said, Savior, Messiah, and Lord. That's not a minute detail to overlook. He, he defined for them the message that they were to carry. The message they got was this child was first and foremost Savior. That was it in the title. There's a child born. Bam, bam, this is who he is. Boom, boom, boom. The first thing is Savior. They were looking for a Savior. They knew what kind of Savior the Old Testament had prophesied. And I want you to know this. Jesus can absolutely rescue unhealthy marriages. He can absolutely break addictions and strongholds and debilitating habits, and senses of hopelessness. But those are byproducts of a greater issue, which is sin. That's where it starts. And unless a person is willing to look down deep at their disconnect with their spiritual life, then all those byproducts, they can't make progress. They can't be healed. They can't be solved because there's no truth in life's darkest places. Sin is just this. It is, it is a disconnect from the alignment to the standards of God. And what does it do? It leads to a God-imposed guilt. You can't shake it. It leads to a guilt that affects your mind. It will affect your body at the, and, and your soul at the deepest levels if it's left ignored. 
because we aren't earthly beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having an earthly experience. Newsflash, this ain't our home. We're just passing through. Third John 1-2 says this, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. The angel says a Savior has been given. A declaration of the coming in of hostility between God and man. Do you catch that? The hostility that's there, yes. What we are experiencing here in the church A's is God's passive wrath. He gives us over to the sins of our nature and there's consequences. But there's coming a time that we see in Revelation where His active wrath is going to be. Time is up. The reclaiming in the earth is here. And so... A declaration, what Jesus brought was a declaration of the coming end of hostility between God and man. That is good news, church. Amen? And the, and the shepherds knew that. They knew this is the good news. Then you have the title of Christ. Savior. Then Christ. Christ is a pretty exalted name for a baby laid up in some... Well, it wasn't straw. It was probably like a stone. Anyway, it's pretty exalted in such humble circumstances. It's the same word as Messiah in the Old Testament, which means anointed one. Same word. It's, it's somebody that's placed in high office of honor. We're working through the title. Savior, Messiah. That's why Jesus is called the King of what? Kings. In Revelation 7, he will reign forever on David's throne like the angel told Mary. Like, hey, talking about an anointed one of supreme authority. And that is good news. This is no ordinary individual we are dealing with here. And the shepherds knew that. And then the angel gave the title, Lord. Messiah. Savior, then Messiah, or Christ, and then Lord. And the shepherds knew what Lord meant because they were people that would lord over them. The word Lord means a position of leadership or authority like an employee and an employer. To lord over means to have authority over, to lead. But in this context, Lord is, is a divine title because it's coming from an angel. This is an angel most likely Gabriel, this is an angel that is giving these titles. And if an angel said that there was a Lord, that angel would understand this heavenly host. He, he knew who Jesus was, the second person of the Trinity, before the incarnation. The angel knew who this person was. Because he was created by this person. The three in one. The angel would know that Jesus, in all of his glory, had come down. And to say this child is Lord is to say what those angels knew from creation. The child is God. That's the claim. People say, well, Jesus never said that, that he was God. It's implied. He doesn't need to. I don't need to tell you that I'm alive. It's apparent. It's so clear in the text. The child is God. And that was good news because God had not made his presence known in 400 years since the glory of God left the temple in Ezekiel 11. He had been MIA. So for the shepherds who knew that God's presence had not been there to say the Lord is here, they knew that he was on the scene. He had not come back until this very night. And those shepherds were there. And they said he's Lord. There's, the, the Lord is here. You know, that's the most basic confession of Christianity. Jesus is Lord. Because if Jesus isn't Lord, then he's not God. And if he's not God, then he's just a man. And if he's just a man, then his death means nothing. And if there's no hope after death, then we have no hope in life. Jesus is Lord. 
Great question to ask somebody when you're sharing the gospel. What do you believe about Jesus? And if they say anything other than Jesus is Lord, then they're off the mark. God's glory was back. It was back. It was back on the block as promised. And the shepherds got the first chance to carry it. You know how when you get good news, you want to share it. You want to be the first one to carry it. I know that you do because I watch your Facebook post. I mean, you, you, let the, you let the Braves win the World Series. Who wants to be the first one to say, Braves win? There will be somebody that can't wait to make that first post. Georgia wins. I'm not a prophet. That's why I work at a nonprofit. But what I'm saying is, I hope, I hope that that's the case. But, but when you have good news, you want to carry it. You want to be the first one to say it. Here's why that's important. Because shepherds won't allow the normal privileges of society. They didn't measure up. And they certainly wouldn't have been the first choice to get to tell this news. If you're going to pick somebody to share the news, you're not going to pick the shepherds. You're going to pick somebody with a better platform. See, shepherds in the first century, they were viewed as dishonest, unreliable. They were rough. They were rough characters. So much so that they weren't even allowed to testify in court because they couldn't be trusted. But yet they were trusted with the news that the Lord is here. And they carried it. And to make matters worse, their work made them ceremonially unclean because sheep required care seven days a week, which means they can never go to the temple to be made right with God. It kept them away from the temple weeks at a time. So they, they, they smelt bad, they looked bad, they acted bad in the eyes of the religious elite. They were bad. And to make matters worse, they could never go to the temple to offer the correct sacrifices. So they were always out of alignment. And they were given the news to carry first. But God gave them a story to tell. And if you've been, if you've been radically transformed, God has given you a story to tell. They were, they were the most unlikely. They were the most unqualified, undignified, unprepared to peep, to people to carry the message. But they got the chance, not because of who they were, but because what God had done. A declaration. This is, what he's, this is the message. They're like, hey, this is the declaration of the, of the end of hostility between God and man. Between holy God and sinful humanity. Peace on earth among men is here. And so no matter what your past decisions have been, no matter, no, no matter the consequences that those decisions have put on you or the cards that you've been dealt to play, and life can deal some rotten cards, amen? No matter how much grime you've accumulated, you can still carry the message of God. If you're in here this morning, you think, I, have, I, I, am, I am currently disqualified to carry the gospel, that is a lie. If you know Christ, carry it. Carry the message. If you felt unworthy to carry the message, and I have, guess what? You are. That's why it's called amazing grace. It's an amazing, it's an amazing message to carry. It's eternally amazing because it's eternally undeserved. They didn't, the shepherds didn't deserve it in the eyes of, of the world. And the Christmas story, y'all, it is an open carry. There's a lot of talk about open carry. The, the gospel, y'all, it is open carry. Anybody wants to carry it, just get it. Aren't you glad that if you want to carry the message, you can't? Amen? And these men show us that, that Jesus is the truth to anybody to be carried by anyone. And that's the heart of the gospel. But the gospel can be carried through anyone that's experienced it. Not only were they told, see, they experienced something. These shepherds, they, they experienced firsthand. Man, a game on TV is fun to watch. 
And there's times where we watch a game on TV and we'll talk about what we saw on TV in the lobby. But if we know someone has been to the game, they have a completely different perspective. And so when those people give their perspective, I don't know about you, but, but I kind of perk up a little more. Even though I can tell what it was like, I ask questions like, what was the atmosphere like in the stadium? Because when you experience it, the story is just different. The story is better to hear and the story is better to tell when you've experienced it for yourself. That's what happened. Look at verse 13. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. And when the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened to which the Lord has been made known to us. And they hurried off. And they found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message. They were told about the child. They were there. They had a message with all the details. They had all the feels going on right here. And all who heard it were amazed. They were amazed, one, because they were shepherds. I can't believe the shepherds would say this. What in the world's going on? But they believed them. And Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. See, shepherds were rough characters. They would probably embellish some things from time to time and try to up their social status. But they told it. Their identity had been changed. They were heralds of the message. They had a message to share. It changed the way they were perceived. They had some street cred in this moment. Everybody was amazed, it says, that the shepherds would even come up and say these things. They were redefined. And that tells me that all that is required to carry the message of Christ is an experience with the message of Christ. That's all that's required. A modern day prophet, Toe Mater, from the movie Car, says this Ain't no need to watch where I'm going. I just need to know where I've been. See, the gospel is the hinge of heaven. It's the hinge of the church. As long as this church is hinged on the gospel, we will be a healthy, thriving, growing, strengthening body. But the moment we lose our focus and start focusing on anything other than the hinge of the gospel, we've lost it all. The hinge... The gospel is the hinge of the home. The gospel is the hinge of every heart. And while the angel is speaking, something even more amazing happened. The Bible says a multitude of heavenly hosts appeared. That's a heap. Just one angel is speaking, but a multitude. It doesn't say, but in Revelation we see that a myriad is 10,000 in, in, in Greek. 10,000 is the, is the biggest word to, to sum up the largest number in the language, which is why Revelation says myriads among myriads, 10,000 among 10,000. That was just millions of angels. Here it says multitude of heavenly hosts. They were everywhere out in the darkness of the field. No wonder they were absolutely terrified. But the appearance of so many angels at once is unprecedented in Scripture. There was worshiping going on. That's what, I want to, that's what I want you to see. They were having a praise party. The heavenly host. And the angels just got caught up in it. They received the message and they carried it. The message had received this. And the shepherds had received the message. It could reach anybody. The message was, was heavy, but it could be carried by anybody. But it wasn't until... Worship happened that they got going. Did you catch that? They were there. They received it. There was worship going on. After the angels left, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, that was neat. No. It says, they said, let's go straight to Bethlehem. 
and see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. If you get caught up in an honest, humble exaltation and worship, you want to tell somebody about it, don't you? You've got to come experience this. You've got to go. Worship for a believer is fuel for the gospel. Y'all write this down and it's on your notes. Every moment of our personal lives is meant to be a convergence. Catch this. A personal worship of the king and personal effort to expand his kingdom. That's the hinge. That's the hinge right there. The gospel is the hinge of the church. It's the hinge of the home. It's the hinge of the community. It is the hinge of every heart. It is the hinge to which the king of kings and lord of lords is going to touch down soon to reclaim that which the locusts have eaten and push back darkness once and for all that was brought in by the disobedience of Adam. It's a convergence. And the shepherd, they had that convergence right here. Of worship and witness. They go together. Worship and witness go together. I don't know about you, but when I experience a powerful moment of worship, it affects my witness. It also, it also does the opposite. If I, if, if I go through prolonged periods that I don't experience time in the Word, disconnected, you know, to, to prayer, to, to step away from worship, it limits my witness. It's hard to get going if I'm not going from anywhere. And so witness and worship go together. When we live through worship, we naturally carry the object of our worship to other people. And that's a beautiful place to be. If redemption truly is the heartbeat of the Bible, and it is, and worship stands as the creative purpose behind life, it's not complicated. If it is to be the drive behind each and every act of our lives, then it only makes sense that we want to join others to the opportunity that we have to worship. I want to go to heaven. I'm going to heaven, I know, because I know the king of heaven, but I want to take as many people with me as possible. Worship and witness go together. That means that the mission of our lives must be continually shaped and reshaped by the mission of God. That's the mission of our lives. The very thing that God created Adam and Eve to do, which was to worship God and spread that worship to the uttermost reaches of creation, that is what we are called to do. That's the mission. That's how we reorient ourselves. It is the hinge of every church. It's the hinge of every home. It's the hinge of every marriage. It's the hinge of every heart. The gospel. Because when you worship and you witness, things begin to change. But only experiences, you only have those experiences when you allow the gospel to flow through you because of the experience that you've had yourself. I'll close with this. A young lady was speeding through a small Georgia town. <clears throat> she was traveling 70 to 55. You guys know what a speed trap is, right? Easy money. Police pulled her over and wrote her a ticket that would cost her $100. And she didn't have the money to pay it. <clears throat> and so she, she, found, she quickly found out that if she didn't have the money to pay it, she's going to have to go to court. Paid a ticket. The court told her, hey, if you're found guilty going 70 and 55, it's going to cost you $100. You don't have $100. You have to spend the weekend in jail. And so the young lady stood before the judge and she was heartbroken. She said, I can't pay the ticket, but I don't want to go to jail. Please, please, can you just let me go? And the judge, matter of fact, replied, said, I can't change the law. The law says you've got to pay $100 or you have to spend the weekend in jail. Those are the rules. I can't change the rules. And she started to tear up. She said, is there something you can do? I can't pay it. I don't want to get locked up. Have mercy on me. And so the judge looked down over the, over the desk um, that was elevated. He 
stood up, he unzipped his black robe, he stepped down, he hung the robe on a coat hanger, he put on a suit coat, he walked right up next to the girl, he pulled his wallet out, he took out a $100 bill, and he put it on the counter. Turned around, walked back, hung his suit coat up, put his jacket, put his robe back on, zipped it back up, and he said, young lady, you've been found guilty of going 70 miles an hour in a 55 zone. It's the law. I can't change it. The law says you've got to pay $100 or you've got to spend the weekend in jail. But I see that someone has already paid your price. And so she gave the $100 to the court. And she walked out with hope in her heart and good news on her lips. Church, God has come to us. He has put down the independent use of his deity. He's put on the jacket of humanity. He came down. He died on the cross. He paid the price that you and I couldn't pay. He picked up the tab, rose from the dead, put the robe of deity back on, zipped it back up in his glorified body, and went to heaven. And so when we live through that experience, when we grasp what the empty tomb and the resurrected body looks like, it's not complicated. It's not physics. It's not building 1003 to God be the glory. But it is life-changing for all and to all and through all. And that is really good news. The shepherds went with the gospel. And so for us, as we, as we make that last lap of 2021, tis the season that we go with the gospel because 2022 is here. Let's stand together, church. Tis the season. Tis the season to go with the gospel. It's for all people. It's through all people. It's going to be accomplished for all people. We see that through the title of the Messiah, Jesus Lord. And so if God is doing a work in your heart, if there's somebody, if there's somebody that, that God has put on your heart this next, this next year, begin praying for them today. That they would be the one that God would prick their heart to draw him to himself that the hostility between God and man has been met through the person and the exclusive work of Jesus. If you need to take a step, if you need to take a step toward Him, I encourage you to take that step this morning. Quit carrying the, the misalignment. Maybe it's a step in baptism. Maybe, maybe you trust in the sufficiency of Christ, but you've never followed Him in baptism. What are you going to do with Jesus? What is that next step? What are you going to do with the gospel? What is that next step? I pray that God would give you courage to take that next step. Take it this morning as we go into 2022, which happens next week. Wow. Life is indeed like a vapor, isn't it? Gone. Here today and gone tomorrow. So let's be a people of praise. Let's create an atmosphere of purity and power and praise at Church 213 beginning now that just flows over into 2022 that we blink our eyes and go, where in the world are we going to put all these people? I'd love to see the baptistry move every week. To see this community transformed through the gospel that is the hinge of every home, for every heart, for every marriage, and for every church. And so as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to run after Jesus and take as many people with me as possible because I'm going to live through the gospel. And so I pray for you, I pray for us, I pray for our family as we come out of this Christmas season that we would do our very best to go with the gospel. Amen. So our praise team is going to lead us in a song of invitation and proclamation. So do what God calls you to do. Take that, whatever that next step is, take it. Maybe it's a step out and come forward. Maybe it's a kneel where you are.
Maybe it's a meal at the altar. Maybe it's baptism in the days ahead. Have the courage to take that next step and go with the gospel. We're all just beggars trying to tell another beggar where to find the bread. So I want to live like a shepherd. Thanks for listening. If you made a decision for Christ or need prayer, please shoot us a message on Facebook at Church213 or an email at office at church213.com or give us a call at 770-385-6304.